And amen. Church, we should give God praise because you probably noticed 114th Street is now open. I mean, it took a year, but God is good. But the reason that we know the devil is still real, too, is because it's not all paved. Anyway, I just, I'm like, they left a little gravel. Why would they do that? Oh, it's Satan. That's right. Okay, so let me ask you a question. We are in a series that, that we closed today called Jesus Is. And as we, as we close out the series, we're going to get real. That's what we do at Meadows Church. Um, so here's the question. Have you ever been frustrated with God? Like, have you ever thought, like, God, you're not showing up. God, you don't care. Like, now, some of you are looking at me like, oh, no, I'm never frustrated with God. I love God, and God is my strong tower, and God is my refuge. And my, okay, whatever. So that's great, and he should be, but I'm, I'm asking a, tr- a legit question. Like, have you ever prayed to God, and he didn't answer? I, I know, I already know your answer because it's the same answer I have because I've had those prayers that go out, and I'm like, God, I don't understand you. God, I don't get what you're doing. You know, it, so some of you know my, my uh, adventures in golf, and... Uh, I, uh, I met some friends of mine th- three weeks ago, maybe, and we golf once a year. And these are guys I've known since elementary school. And we get together, and we got together, and I'm the worst golfer out of all four of us. And uh, so I dread it, kind of. But we get together, and it's fun and whatever. And uh, I don't know why I spend so much money to be tortured, but I do. That's a whole other subject. We played best ball for 18 holes on one of the 18s. And that means that we, I had a partner and then against two of my friends, and you played the best ball all through the holes. And we, we, uh, you know, we kind of have bragging rights, whoever wins, so it's a big deal. So the 18th hole we get to, and uh, my partner and I, we have to sink a long putt, probably 25, 30-foot putt, to even have a chance to not get beat. My partner steps up to the ball, hits it, crushes the ball way too hard, I thought, hits the back of the cup and drops. We go crazy. We're like celebrating. I can't believe you made that. We're, we're like, the only way we can get beat now is if they make their putt. Their putt is like a 10, 12-footer, a bender. They'd have to read it really well. They haven't hit a putt all day outside of 10 feet. So I'm like, this is good. They're not going to make it. But just to make sure, I'm going to use my pastoral powers and go to the Lord. So I go to God. I, you know, it's kind of sad your pastor's praying over a golf game. I could be praying for world peace. But no, no, no. I'm praying for the golf. And I'm like, God, you know where we're at right now. Bragging rights is on the table. God, I pray in the name of Jesus that both these men We'll shank this putt, left or right, I don't care, but it can't go in, in Jesus' name, because you got to close it right. So I, I'm praying, and, and the first guy gets up, hits the putt, and, it, and it, it's going, it's way, it looks way offline, and it starts to curve, it starts to curve, and I'm, I'm still praying under my breath, and it curves, it curves, it drops in the hole. And I'm like, God, why do you hate me? What, why? This is, I specifically prayed that wouldn't happen. First guy sinks the putt, it's over, we got beat. And I'm like, and I'm sure God's up in heaven, like, just laughing, like, oh, Monty. So, but I, I just, and that's, and that's kind of a, uh, you know, that wasn't a real serious prayer, but I bet you've had serious ones. I bet you've had prayers where maybe you prayed, maybe it was at work, and you're a good worker, and you show up on time, and you're never late, and uh, you don't screw around at work, I mean, m- most days, and uh, you went for the promotion. And the interview goes great, and you've got people praying for you, and everything is set up just perfectly, and you don't get the job. Or you've got that friend or family member, and they're sick. And they've been sick, and you've got teams praying. You've got the church praying. You've got our amazing prayer team praying. And, and the more people pray, the worse they seem to get. And it's like, God, I don't understand what's going on here. Or maybe you're single. And you're like, God, I've been praying for that special somebody. And I've been praying that they come into my life. And I, but the more I pray to God, the more I seem to go home every night, make dinner for two, and eat both. Right? It just isn't work. Like, God isn't showing up. 
What do you do? What do you do to the title of the message? What do you do when, when, when trusting God doesn't make sense? Like, what do you do when God, you're not, you're not, it, like the story we're going over today is in John, the gospel of John. It's in the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. John 11, chapter 11. And this story is insane. If you want to, if you, you, well, you're going to hear a story about something that totally doesn't make sense according to what we know about God and the fact that he is love and he loves us and he wants good things for us. We say this every week. But, but what we read in the story is so opposite of that. It's crazy. Let's get into the word of God. In John 11, let me set it up. Lazarus, Mary, and Martha are siblings. They're very good friends of Jesus. Jesus has been to their house before. Mary and Martha, remember a story about Martha was cleaning and Mary was at the feet of Jesus listening. That's a, another story that's in the word of God. They're dear friends. In John 11, 1, it says, A man named Lazarus was sick. He lived in Bethany with his sisters, Mary and Martha. This is the Mary, the same Mary, who later pours expensive perfume on the Lord's feet and wipes it with her hair. Remember that story? That hasn't happened yet, but it does happen. Her brother Lazarus, again, was very sick. And not just sick, he was, he was on the verge of death. Two, the two sisters send a message to their good friend Jesus, telling Jesus, Lord, the one that you love, it's like they're reminding Jesus, remember how much you love our brother? He's really sick. The one you love is sick. When Jesus heard this, Jesus said, this sickness will not end in death. No, 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 it's for God's glory, so that God's son may be glorified through it. Now, G now the Bible reminds us Jesus loved Martha. And he loved Mary. And he loved Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was sick, Jesus, what did he do? Well, naturally, he found the fastest camel he could find. He jumped on it and got to Bethany as fast as he could. No. Well, well, well certainly, he used his powers and teleported there in, in seconds and helped Lazarus. No. In fact, Jesus did the opposite. The Word of God says, when he heard that Lazarus was sick... He stayed where he was two more days. Like, I, I don't get it. Why would you do that, Jesus? Why would you, why would you wait? You, you know the urgency in the message. You know what's going on. In fact, you, Jesus, you've used your powers. You've teleported your powers. You don't even need to go to Bethany. You could just say the word, and Lazarus would be better. I don't, like Jesus, you talk about how you're love and you talk about the love of the Father, but your actions seem to contradict everything that you say right now. And so they're waiting and they're waiting and it does not make sense. You ever been there waiting? Maybe some of you are there right now. You're in this season of like, I don't understand what's going on. Like I, I talk to God, but it's like he's not real. I, 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 I talk, I pray to God and it's like he does not care. And you keep waiting and they're waiting. Day one, day two, still no Jesus. I'm, I, I'm, telling, I'm telling you something. Some of you, the devil wants you to believe that in this waiting season that God has given up on you, that God's not real, that God doesn't care. But the enemy is a liar. Everything that comes out of his mouth is lies. God is with you in it. And just because we don't see him working doesn't mean he's not working. And just because we don't see him moving doesn't mean he's not moving. And you're gonna see that in this story. So they're waiting and here's what, so Jesus finally, after a couple days, Jesus decides to gather the disciples and say, all right, 
been, been a few days or a couple days. Let's, let's head out. And here's what he says in the, the 11th verse. After uh, Jesus said this, he went on to tell the disciples, uh, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I'm going there to wake him up. The disciples, it's so funny, they take it literally. The disciples are like, Lord, if he sleeps, I mean, he's going to get better, right? They thought Jesus meant Lazarus was simply sleeping, sleeping, but Jesus didn't mean that. Jesus meant he was dead. So Jesus spells it out for them. No, 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 guys, Lazarus is dead. And for your sake, this is so key, for your sake, I'm glad I wasn't there. Well, I don't understand that, Jesus. Well, maybe later we will. For your sake, I'm glad I wasn't there so that you may believe. Now come, let's go see him. So let me just paraphrase what happens next. They go there. By the time they arrive where they are, they, they believe that Jesus was probably 20 miles from them. So it takes another two days to get there. Lazarus has been dead four days. Four days. He's in, he, like rigor mortis has set in. He's in the tomb, and the King James would tell you that Lazarus stinketh, okay? It's not good. He's not in good shape. So Jesus shows up, and I'm sure the people are like, Oh, now, now your friend comes. Now the Savior comes. Where was he before? Well, well, maybe it's not God's will that Lazarus get saved. Or not get saved, but get raised. Maybe that's not God's will. But how could that not be God's will? Like Lazarus is Jesus' BFF. They are tight. They are close. How is this not the will of God? And this brings us to the main point. If you hear nothing else, please soak this in. When we talk to God, which is prayer, when we pray to God, prayer isn't about getting just what you want. It's trusting that God knows best. I'll say it again. Prayer is not just about getting what you want, right? Because we're only looking through the lens of us. And many times we pray, you could almost say selfish prayers because there's a lot more people involved than just us in the story. But prayer is not just about getting what you want. It's trusting that God knows best. Like parents, like God is our father, right? So parents, have you ever not done what your kids asked or give them what they wanted because you know what's best you can relate grandparents in the room you cannot relate because you will give them whatever they want you don't care like your that your grandkid could ask for a nuclear weapon you'd be like all right let me make a call i'll get it you know it's a, it doesn't matter but parents you get it you understand so in my household, we talk about school earlier. I've got a son that's going to be a freshman, and I've got a daughter that's going to be a junior. Can't believe that. But, but since we've moved to the area five years ago, a topic in our household that comes up, it doesn't come up as much. Uh, I think, you know, they've been beaten down a little bit. But social media is always uh, on the radar. And, and my kids have asked about TikTok and Snapchat and um, face, uh, Facebook and all these, Instagram, and my stance has always been, or our stance has always been, you know, not right now. You don't need that right now. I mean, you have plenty of time to surf the internet. You know, you can, from 18 to 75, if you want to sit around and do that, you can. I hope you don't, but you can. But, but we've taken a stance that says, no, we're not going to do social media. And, uh, and if, you, if your kids have it, I'm not judging you. Everybody's got to make that decision for themselves. But, but I'm just saying that's the stance we've taken. And you would think it's child abuse. Oh my gosh, dad, all my friends. I said, anytime you tell me all your friends, I want to do the opposite, okay? I'm just saying. When you say all my friends this, I'll do the, okay. So they, you would think it's child abuse, wouldn't you? They're like, yeah, it is child abuse. You know what child abuse is? Any, do you ever grow up, anybody get spanked growing up? Yeah. Huh, okay, there's a difference between getting a spanking and getting a whooping. They're, they're different. They're different. The spanking 
hand to butt. A whooping is some other instrument to butt, right? It, it could be a wooden spoon. It could be a spatula. It could be like when I was growing up, Jake. I remember my dad getting his belt. And it was like, you guys, when he'd take his belt off, it's like he was starting a lawnmower. It was like, whoom, and he'd get it. And I'd be like, oh, crap. It was not good. So just be grateful I don't get the lawnmower out. I mean, child abuse. But, but we've taken this stance. And, but, but whatever your stance is there, that's, that's your call. But, but something that I think that I will kind of get on uh, parents about is church. One thing I, I'll never understand is, uh, is sometimes I'll hear uh, a parent say, well, you know, I'll let my child decide if they want to go to church. And I'm like, I, I don't understand. Like, like, it's weird to me. Or I'll let my, my student decide if they want to go to youth or whatever. Or, or camp. So our kids, a lot of our youth kids just went to camp. Let's be honest. Jake and Ava, if I would have asked you the day before camp, if I would have said, hey, you guys want to just go ahead and bail on camp and not go? They would have been like, yeah. I mean, they were, they were kind of excited, but kind of not. Like, if they would have had an out, they would have taken it. I guarantee you they would have taken it. But, I, but I, I guarantee you now they're certainly glad that they didn't take it. Because when they came back from camp a couple days ago, I mean, they were excited. They had a great time. And Jake, I won't give too many de- details, but I'm laying in bed that night, and Jake comes in. He's like, Dad, I felt the presence of God. And, and it was unbelievable. And it happened multiple times, he said. But one of the times is that, you know what they had the youth kids do? And this is so powerful. They had them, uh, if they wanted to, wash each other's feet. So Jake is washing uh, a friend of his, I think it was Aiden, and he's washing Aiden's feet. And, and he, he's talking to me in the bedroom, and he's emotional. And I'm like, and Jake, you don't know this, but when you left, I, I just praised God. I'm like, God, thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you that you're, the way that you're moving. You're, they learn things at camp. They, they took in the word of God in a way that I can't deliver it to them. It's different coming from other people, and when you experience that. So, but if they got their way, they probably wouldn't have gone. You know, if I give my kids a choice on school, they would say, no, dad, I, I don't want to go to school. But, but so I'm just, I just think how more important is our eternal salvation? How more important is our faith walk than this temporal walk? So, so see, many times God wants to do something in us, in, in my son or in my daughter or in your kids or in you. Many times God, many times God wants to do something in you before he does something for you. And that's what was happening there. And that's many times when God isn't showing up in your life and you're praying, God's doing something in you. Because every time you go to him, even when you're ticked at him, even when you're mad at him, even when you're yelling at him, you're connecting with him. And he likes that. He's a relational God. So back to the story. So, so Jesus shows up. Remember, Lazarus is dead. Four days dead. Martha, his sister, says, Lord, if you'd only been here, my brother would, would have died. But, but even now, I love her faith. Even now, I know that, that God will give you whatever you ask. That's faith right there. Martha gets a, we, we give her a lot of crap for her being busy and not being attentive, you know, to God in one scenario. But here, I love what she's saying. And Jesus says, Martha, your brother will rise again. Now she's thinking, okay, yeah, I get it. I, I, I know what Jesus has said before, that one day we're all gonna rise up if we're in Christ and we will be with him forever. And, and she says, yeah, I get it, God. He will rise when everyone else rises on the last day. And Jesus is like, no, no, no. No, here's what, I'm, here's what I'm really saying, Martha. And this is the fifth I am statement, the last one that we're going through, the seventh one in the series for us. Here's what Jesus says. He says, Martha, and everybody listening, and everybody today, I am the resurrection. I am the life. So this is so powerful. I am the resurrection, and I am the life. 
Listen to this next statement. The one who believes in me will live. Even though they'll die a temporal death, like everybody will die, even though they'll die, whoever lives by believing in me will never die. They will rise again is what he's saying. Do you believe this, Martha? And God is asking us the same question right now. Do you believe? Jesus didn't say, well, whoever does really good things, you know, whoever lives a good life, they will rise again and be with me. He didn't say that. Does God want you to be good? Absolutely, he does. He's good. We should be good. But the more you're in Christ, the more you see Christ, the more you follow him. That's why tonight's event is so huge. This Pathway to Purpose event, it is about growing in Christ. So anyway, so, so Jesus says, I am the resurrection and I am the life. Do you believe? In other words, Martha, do you trust me? And I think it's easy, especially in a church environment. Oh, yeah, I trust, praise the Lord, and I trust Jesus, and I'm blessed. Are you blessed? Yeah, I'm blessed. You're blessed. I mean, it's easy to say all these churchy things, but I don't want it. I want to be real with you. Some days I don't trust God like I should. And maybe you're in the, like, think about this. If If you talk to yourself more about the things that you can't change, instead of talking to God about the things that he can change, you're not trusting God. And neither am I. You know what that's called, by the way? Worry. That's what it is. It's worry. And according to Jesus, I'll paraphrase, paraphrase him, he says, worry's worthless. Worry adds nothing to your life. It will steal your time. It will steal your life. It will steal your joy. You don't worry, you pray. Philippians 4, 6. You don't worry, you pray. I want to get better about trusting God. So, so Martha, Jesus asked her a question. Martha, do you believe? And in verse 27, she says, yes, Lord. She told him, I've always believed you're the Messiah. I've always believed the Son of God. Boy, her statement's bold here. She is spelling it out. The one who has come into the world from God. So Martha, at that point, runs to go get her sister, Mary. Mary comes to Jesus and says the exact same thing Martha first said. Here's what she says. She falls at Jesus' feet. Lord! If you'd only been here, why would you wait? Why, why did you wait those days? Why would you not come right away? If you'd only been here, my brother would not have died. Jesus sees Mary weeping. And then he looks around and he sees other people weeping and wailing. And a deep anger wells up in him. We're like, well, Jesus never got angry. Oh, yes, he did. He, he never sinned in his anger, but he had righteous anger. And he was upset. He's seeing his dear friends, friends weeping and hurting. And he's deeply angered. He's deeply troubled. Wow, so you got troubled, Jesus? Yes, he did. And then he, find, and then he says, where have you put him? Where's Lazarus? Where's he at? He asked them, and they said, Lord, come and see. And Jesus weeps. So here, in, in two verses, we see Jesus with anger. We see Jesus troubled. And then we see Jesus crying. If you don't think you've got a God that empathizes with you and understands you, you need to reread that. He gets it. He's, he's with you in your pain. He's with you in your struggle. He's gone there. And this scene is so crazy. And we think, how, why is Jesus so angry? Why is he so upset? Because, because what he's seeing was never the plan. This was never the original plan, this whole scene. Sickness was never the plan. That was never supposed to be happened. Sin was never the plan. Death was never the plan. This whole scenario that he's looking at, the hurting and the it was never the plan. 
But aren't you grateful that God had a plan B? His name is Jesus, and he is the resurrection, and he is the life. Thank you, God, that you gave us plan B. Jesus is struggling, and he goes to the grave. And some of you, if you've been around church a little bit in your life, you probably know what happens next. But if you don't, I'm going I'm to show you the word of God. Verse 43, Jesus shouts, Lazarus, come out. And the dead man came out. Up to this point, this is the most miraculous thing Jesus has ever done. He's raised other people to life, but, but no one was ever dead for four days. Like, like that's a big deal. In Jewish culture, it, like three days was key. Like once you get past three days, it's, they think, okay, officially dead. I don't know why, but that's just what they thought. So four days, there was no questioning. Well, did, did he really raise Lazarus? Was he really dead or was he just sleeping or was he just in a coma? No, he was dead. In this miracle, it, it is the greatest miracle, like I said, to this point, and everybody is amazed. Everybody is, is, is they can't believe it. There, there, there's joy. Everybody probably except Lazarus. I mean, think about it. Lazarus was in heaven for four days. I mean, we think, oh, Lazarus, he's so lucky. Really? He's up in heaven. He's touring the streets of gold, living in his mansion. No more lower back pain. Cholesterol levels are perfect. Asthma's gone. Him and Moses, they're going to go play tennis later in the day. I was going to say they were going to go play golf, but golfing and swearing go together. So we don't think there's golf in heaven. So it just, you know, I'm just saying. They're going to go play tennis. And all of a sudden, an angel shows up at the door. Right? To Lazarus' house. They're like, yeah, is Lazarus here? Oh, yeah, yeah, Lazarus, hey. And Lazarus is like, yeah, I'm Lazarus. I, I don't know how to tell you this. Uh, this has never happened before, and this isn't really proper protocol, Lazarus, but uh, we're going to send you back. <laughs> You're going to go back to where you were, back to this world, back to the grave clothes, back to death. And Lazarus is like, this isn't, this isn't the miracle I was looking for, but that's what happened. But here's the thing about this whole story. And what we're getting to and where God wants to take us today in this journey. This whole story that you're getting read, this is a true story, by the way. It's not a, it's not a parable that Jesus told. These are factual things that happened. And what we're realizing is this whole story was way bigger than Lazarus. It was way bigger than Mary or Martha who, who started the story by sending a message to Jesus. And I'll show you this because you may have missed it. I did too until I go back and reflect on the scripture I wrote down, it wasn't just about Mary. It wasn't just about Martha. It wasn't just about Lazarus. First and foremost, it was ultimately about God. See, we, especially in the Western culture, we like to think that we're the center of the story, right? We like to think that somehow the, we're the center of, 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 of like our existence and we're the most important character. We're not. God's the most important character. And, and remember, let's go back to John eleven four. 4. When he heard this, Jesus said, when he heard about Lazarus, he said, this sickness will not end in death. Listen to what he says next. No. It's for what? God's glory. It's for God's glory. So what? So that I, the Son of God, can be glorified. So, so what you're saying is, Lazarus being sick, it's, it's way bigger than just him being sick. So what you're saying is, when Mary and Martha sent a message, and then you didn't show up for day one, and you didn't show up for day two, that more was happening. More people were in this equation. I guarantee there's more people in your equation than you think. 
then you know. It wasn't just about Mary. It wasn't just about Martha. It wasn't just about Lazarus. God. And there's more. It was about the disciples. Did you catch it? Look at verse 11, or chapter 11, verse 14 and 15. So then Jesus tells them, remember when they said, oh, he's sleeping. And Jesus is like, no, 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 he's dead. So remember what Jesus said? For your sake, I'm glad I wasn't there. So now Jesus is saying, it's not just about Mary. It's not just about Martha. It's not just about Lazarus. It's about the disciples. For your sake, I wasn't there so that you might believe. So now he wants to build the belief in the disciples. Jesus is like, I will use this situation for my glory, and, and so many will be impacted. In fact, a lot more than those were impacted. But unbelievers, many unbelievers were, were impacted. So it wasn't just about God. It wasn't just about the disciples. It wasn't just about Mary, Martha, or Lazarus. It was about unbelievers. Why? Because it says in verse 45, many of the people who were with Mary after they witnessed what happened to Lazarus, believed. So, so many people, in that moment when Lazarus was raised from the dead, they went from death to life. Not just temporal, like we like to think about. I'm talking for eternity. Like they're right now, as, you, as I preach to you, they're in heaven, celebrating with the Father, celebrating with Jesus, celebrating with loved ones that gave their life to Christ. This is how big this is. Do you see how there's so much more to the picture? This is why we need to know prayer just isn't about you. It's going to impact so many others. And God, you're not answering. And God, they ended up dying. And God, they're still sick. And God, I don't get you. And God's like, I love you. There's more happening. There, trust me. Trust that I know best. Like, like if I would have got what I wanted, as I prayed about leading a church or planting a church, it wouldn't have been, I mean, I love Omaha now, but it, that was not on the radar. My plan was like, I'm going to stay in South Dakota. We're going to start a church right where I'm at, right where I know people and I'm comfortable and we got, our, we got our friends and we got our circle of people. And that was my plan. I'm so grateful that I didn't get my plan. I'm so grateful because I wouldn't have had conversations with many others that took the journey with me from South Dakota and I wouldn't get to meet any of you who we now do this together and grow together and love together and live together and learn together. I wouldn't have any of that. And what about the people that have gone from death to life through Meadows Church in Omaha? You guys, what I, I think it's, man, I don't want to fabricate numbers here, but I, I'll always go on the high side because that's what pastors do. But it's a, I, I think it's over 500 people that have given their lives to Christ since we started Meadows Church. So th thank you, God, for not answering my prayer. Church, if I would have got my way, I would have never met Rachel. See, Rachel and her family, they started coming to Meadows in the very beginning, probably four years ago. Her and her husband and their two young kids. And the reason she comes to my mind is because we would pray together a lot. She, she, she would seek prayer in the Welcome Center after church. I remember it, and we would circle up and we would pray. And so, some weekends her husband was with her and some weekends he wasn't. But a lot of times what we would pray was for her marriage. See, just because things look good on the outside doesn't mean things are going good on the inside. This is a church where it's okay to not be okay. And my guess is there's areas of your life, just like my life, that aren't okay. I'm so, I, I, I loved her boldness to say, I need prayer. And we would circle up and we would pray. And I, we'd pray over her marriage. 
that seem to be going. But here's the crazy thing, you guys. Just like we're learning, the more that we seem to pray, and I was convinced, like I would boldly say, God, you will resurrect this marriage. God, you will put them back together. God, what you, what you put together, no one will take apart. And I meant everything I was praying. But the more that we prayed every week and week in and week out, the more she'd say, things are not getting better, but they're getting worse. And I'm like, I don't get, I, like, I'm the pastor and I don't even get what's going on here. I know that we like to celebrate all the, 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 the celebratory stories, and we should. But we live in a real world with real struggle and real pain. And I'll never forget the day I was, I was talking to her and basically she told me it's over. And I thought about all the times we prayed together and all the times we would huddle up and all the times that we would have tears and be just going to God and begging God. And she's telling me it's over. But here's the kicker. God was, do, God was doing a work. And, and, and when we pray, we have a part to play. There's still free will, right? There's, we can still make our own decisions, right? God allows that. That's, that's what makes our faith so beautiful is we get to choose. Love always involves a choice. Never forget that. It does. So, so we're praying. The marriage is over. But, but she still leans into the church and she keeps coming. And she keeps bringing her two little kids. And soon her daughter, going to the kids' ministry every week, and soon her daughter gives her life to Christ and then gets baptized in the church. And soon after that, her youngest son gives his, gives his life to Christ. And he wants to get baptized. He's young, six years old. And he's talking to mom about getting baptized. She's like, she wants to make sure he gets it, right? Got to make sure you understand because baptism is your decision. And she, so she's talking to him and making sure he's prepared. Well, this last weekend... They were out of town visiting family in West Virginia. And Rachel emails me. And, and I think the subject line was like, thank you, Meadows. That she's thanking you, by the way. You're, you're the church. And she says, thank you, thank you, thank you. And she, and she starts unpacking the story and posts uh, pictures. Pictures that we can show you of her, of her son getting baptized by his grandfather where they were at last weekend. I'm so grateful that Rachel didn't give up. I'm so grateful that even though prayers weren't getting answered the way we thought they would, that God was still doing a work in her and in her kids and in her family. And did things go the way that she wanted in the marriage? No, they did, they did not. No one stands at an altar and says, I do, and, and, and thinks I'm gonna get divorced. No one does. But what, why I appreciate her so much is because she had the boldness to keep pressing in. She didn't get it. But, she, but, but look who's impacted. And I guarantee more people than we know are impacted through that story. Well, you're getting impacted right now through her story. I, I love the bride of Christ. I love the church. I love the way that it, it loves and welcomes people. God doesn't give up on us. Listen, as a follower of Jesus, Jesus never promised comfort. He never promised pain-free. He didn't promise that your will is ever going to be done. See, the goal of Christianity is to glorify God and, and honor him in all that we do. That's the goal. That's what God wants. That's what, that's what we're here for. But yet, do you know most of the prayers? And I'm not, I, I want prayer requests to come in. I don't care what they are, you know, bring them in. I prayed for golf, and you saw how that worked out. So, but bring your prayer requests. But here's a, here's a fact. 80% of prayers are for temporal things. Specifically, 80% of prayers are for physical healing or physical help. And I don't have a problem with that. I, I, I mean, we should, I want to be physically fit. I mean, if health is important, I'm, I mean, I'm thinking about signing up for a marathon. I didn't say I'm going to run it. I'm just going to sign up for it. But anyway, that's a step. So, but is it important? Yes. But can I tell you something? 
Lazarus died again. When is the last time that you or I prayed for somebody that doesn't know Jesus? And here's what I'm telling you. You know who they are. Some of you, some of you you're in the room right now. I'm so grateful you're here. This is where we want you. When is the last time that we, we fervently went to God for a coworker or a boss or a brother or sister or a spouse? And we said, God, I don't know where they're at. It seems like they might believe, but they haven't surrendered to you. And we pray for that because that's eternal prayers. Those prayers will have an impact for trillions of years. Again, we can pray for, we can pray for physical health and there's nothing wrong with that. But don't neglect the eternal. Don't neglect what's most important. We'll pray for a 95-year-old woman. Keep her alive, God. And she's probably thinking, kill me. I'm 95. I'm miserable. You know? I want to see Jesus. We got to stop living for the temple. We got to live for the eternal. When is the last time that you prayed, God, give me the courage this week to invite a friend to church? I love our church because we have new people every week. And I pray that never stops. But honestly, we should have a lot more new people. If we, would, if we would invite just one person and think, God, give me the courage. And the enemy, oh, they don't want to talk about faith. They don't want to talk. Stop believing his lies. Eternity hangs in the balance. Rachel's kids, they're going to be in heaven forever. Why? Because she loved them enough to point them to the Father. To show them that nothing is more valuable than that. Jesus, once Lazarus was risen from the dead after four days of being dead, it set in motion his death. When the authorities and the religious folk uh, saw what happened, they couldn't dispute it. You couldn't deny it. He was dead four days. There's no getting around it. So they didn't know what to do other than kill the person that did it. And that's what they were going to do. And that's what, that was the plan. The thing is, that was God's plan too. They didn't know they were fulfilling prophecy. When one of, the, one, of the, one of them made a statement, well, we're going to kill him. That was plan B. Thank you, God, for plan B. Plan A was in a garden that was perfect a long time ago. And that didn't last long. So, so, so Lazarus is alive. And the authorities, they, they, some of you know the story. Jesus would, have a, a, Jesus would have this supper with his friends. He would go to a garden and he would pray. And if you want to think, go back to the main point. Think about the main point, about what we're saying about, it, it's trusting that God knows best. Jesus in the garden, he's praying, God, is there, is there, is there a plan C? Because I'm human and I'm feeling this in a bad way. And I love you and I don't want to be separated from you. And I'm hurting. And it's like God said, Jesus, trust your father knows best. I know that in your humanness, you can't fathom what's going to happen. And Jesus said, your will be done, Father. And what happens next is Jesus would go to a cross and be crucified. And he would die on a cross for you and for me. This is where eternity comes in. This is the greatest news in the world. That Jesus Christ was dead. We think, how can that be great news? That's disgustingly horrible news. It was that day. Horrible day. <laughs> no one thought, I always like to say, when they saw Jesus on the cross, nobody thought, you know what? He's going to be okay. He's going to bounce back. Give him an IV. He'll be fine. No. 
He was dead. And nobody expected that. His followers, even though he said it, they didn't expect it. But you know what they really didn't expect? What happened three days later. Because three days later, just like Lazarus rose from the dead, Jesus Christ brought himself back to life. That's the greatest miracle in history. And here's the kicker. The resurrection, we know, isn't an event. It's a person. Jesus is the resurrection. Jesus is the life. I hope you believe it. And because Jesus is the resurrection and the life, guess what? Whatever's dead or dormant in you right now, and you know what it is, you can go to him. Because he has the power to bring it back to life. He proved it. How can you have eternal salvation? You will die. And I will too. Hopefully not twice like Lazarus. That would have sucked. But we will die once for sure. Most people, and I heard it again on a podcast this week, if you ask most Christians that say, I'm a believer in Jesus, just because you say it doesn't mean that, that doesn't mean that you have a relationship with him. That's key. Satan believes in Jesus. Trust me, he's never doubted Jesus. I forgot where I was going with that podcast. Hope it comes back to me because it was good. Jesus is the resurrection and the life. We're not saved by being good. We're saved by surrendering our life to him. It is your faith that saves you. Remember when Jesus said, Martha, do you believe? Do you believe that I am the resurrection and I am the life? And she said, yeah, I believe. Martha's in heaven celebrating. Mary's in heaven celebrating. Lazarus celebrating. It's a real place where we really go with real bodies that will be perfect. I want you to go there. I want your friends to go there. I want your family to go there. Nothing is more important than that. So I pray first and foremost today that you will surrender everything to Jesus today. Say, God, I believe in you. I'm not a good person. God, I'm not a good person. You know that. But I want you to save me. I want you to set me free. And if you pray that prayer and and you surrender to him and you ask him to come into you and make you new, he'll do it. We want to know, mark it on the card so we can celebrate with you. There is not a greater decision you'll ever make if you're watching online. We want you to do the same. Type, I choose Jesus in the comments and we will connect with you and walk with you as well. And even as I give you the greatest story in the world and give you the most hope that you could ever receive, I bet there are some of you that you still feel hopeless and you still have a hard time trusting and you're still thinking, God, you don't care about me. And I get it because we live in such a fallen world. God, last week, a friend of mine who's in recovery, you, you would know who he is, he met another friend on Sunday who's in addiction and, and dying in addiction. And he's trying to get him back to the church and he's reaching out to him. And I talked to my friend this week and I said, did you, did you get a hold of him again? He said, yeah, I talked to him this week. And he said, you know what, I, I, got, I gotta make a decision. And then he said, but you don't worry about it. You got, you got more important things and more important people. And I thought, what kind of statement? He doesn't see his value, does he? He doesn't see his worth, does he? He doesn't think he matters. Next week, we start a brand new series called Investing in What Matters Most. You know what matters most? Relationships, first and foremost with God, secondly with each other. He needs to know his value and his worth. I'll close by telling you Mary's only words she ever speaks in the word of God. Three times she's at the Lord's feet. Once in their house, once in this story, And then a little bit later, she falls at the feet of Jesus and throws perfume all over him, expensive perfume. 
in an amazing scene. Mary, one time she speaks, it was in the message today. Remember what she said? She didn't understand, she didn't get it. The one time Mary speaks, she's like, I don't get you. I don't understand you, Jesus. Like, I don't understand your way. I don't, I don't understand. I'm dying on the inside. And it's like you don't care. Well, she said, Lord, if you only been here, my brother wouldn't have died. Verse 32. In other words, you weren't here. But you care about me and you care about my sister and you care about my brother. He's dead. See, some of you, you're there. That's all she ever speaks that we know, that we get in the word of God. Yet Jesus, he, he's, he tells a story about Mary saying, what this woman did with this perfume, it will be told forever. Lives will be changed because of it. It's like Jesus is saying, Mary, I know you're mad. I know you're upset. I'm crying with you. I love you. I care about you. And he cares about you too. Regardless of where you've been, regardless of what you've done, he cares about you so deeply. God, I want you to know that. You think you got to have perfect faith? You don't. You just have to have faith in a perfect God. That's what you need. That's what I need. And some of you, maybe you're focused on what's going to happen after this and where you're going to go or Monday or Tuesday or Thursday. At work. Don't. I want you to focus on right here, right now. Jesus is always trying to center us to now. He did with them. Remember when he came on the scene? He's like, well, if Jesus would have been here, Lazarus would have, you know, focused on the past. Mary, Martha's like, well, one day he'll rise again. She's focused on the future. And Jesus is like, focus on me right here. You have Jesus right here. You have resurrection power right here. It's available here. It's available now. He wants to meet you here today. So this is our prayer. And I love this prayer. And it's simple. You'll, you'll catch on real quick. Repeat after me. God, I want what you want. More than what I want. We've prayed this prayer once before. Maybe you don't remember. It's been a long time. It's a great prayer. God, I want what you want more than what I want. God, you are the resurrection and you are the life. I trust in your life-giving, life-saving, life-resurrecting power. God, I want what you want more than what I want. Jesus, we learned that you are the light of the world, illuminating all over the place. God, I want that light in me shining in dark places. I want what you want more than what I want. You are the good shepherd, Jesus. We learned that in this series. Will you guide me? Let me follow you into, into deep waters. God, I will trust you in it. I want what you want more than what I want. God, you are the vine. I want to be attached to you. I don't want to leave you. You are the power that I need. I want what you want more than what I want. You are the gate. May I go through you day in and day out. There are other gates. There are other opportunities, but I don't want them. God, I want you. I want what you want more than what I want. God, you are the bread of life. I want to take you in. I want to take in your word and your truth. I want what you want more than what I want. God, you are the way and you are the truth and you are the life. Can we give God praise and declare, I want what you want more than what I want. Father, have your way in this place today. We love you and we thank you. The word of God is alive. I'll never stop reminding you, the most important part of what you've heard today is what you do with it. Otherwise, it's noise, and it does not matter. And the one thing the enemy wants to do is for you to just forget about it, go have lunch with friends and family, start living back to the week and the same grind again. Don't let him do it. 
don't let him do it. I always tell you my dream for Meadows Church, after we do this worship song, oh, and you're going to love it. I can't wait to sing it with you. But after that, the prayer team's going to line up here, and there'll be prayer members in the prayer room for more intimate, maybe private prayer. And, and my, my, my prayer's always the same. God, I believe what you want is for people to come flood for prayer. Because, because he loves when you connect with him. And there's power in prayer. And it's not just about getting what you want, but prayer is trusting that God knows best. Some of you are surrendering your life to Christ today. Others of you, God's taking you on our next step. Some of you, you've decided, I'm going to go tonight. I'm going to go find out what this discipleship is and what this pathway to purpose is. And you're going to go RSVP on the homepage and say, I'll be there. Bring on the famous Daves. Whatever it takes. God, we want what you want more than what we want. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you for your word and your truth. It is alive and it is well. I thank you for the story of Lazarus. I don't think he was excited when, when he was told to go back to a broken world. But he's excited now. God, may we have an eternal mindset. This world is not our home. Do we want to live a good life? Yes. Do we want to prosper? Yes. Do we want to make an impact? Yes. Do we want to live our purpose? Yes. But God, at the end of the day, we can be as healthy as we want physically. We can eat all the salad we want. We can lift all the weights we want. We can go on all the trips we want. God, we can make all the money we want. But if we don't put our faith and trust in you, it does not matter. You're supposed to be the center of our life. But if, but if I'm honest, God, on Monday or Tuesday, you wouldn't know it by the way that I live some days. And I wonder if others can relate. God, we want you to be the center of us today. Thank you for telling us who you are. Seven different statements. Seven different beautiful I am statements. God, may we own that, internalize that, and live the way that you want us to live and love the way you want us to live. If we do, we'll never be the same. And we'll be able to declare that the best is truly yet to come. In Jesus' name I pray and we all say, amen.